Well, good morning. We want to welcome everybody here to our Adult Sunday School class, and uh, we are so blessed to have uh, Jim Sprague with us, the uh, CEO from the Pregnancy Resource Center in Grand Rapids, and uh, the opportunity that we have to uh, learn a little bit more about what uh, Proposition 3 is, the implications of that for our state uh, being a constitutional amendment that is uh, pretty significant, even more than a law, and uh, as we uh, learn more about that. Not on yet? Three minutes, okay, so um, you heard everything I said, I'm going to say it again in three minutes, so if you didn't hear it the first time, you're going to hear it in three more minutes. So we have it being live streamed right now, and there's about three or four other churches that are going to be tuning in at the same time, um, and then others that are going to have the recording, so we just want to be mindful of a broader audience than just those that are here, but we are so glad that you are here, and you're here on time. <laughs> To get drywall, drywall dust on it? <laughs> That's right. It's <laughs> the price of progress. That's <laughs> all right. You guys did a lot of progress yourself. Oh, we've been there. I've been in, yeah. Good. Okay. Dustiness. Yeah, well, we want to welcome everybody here to our adult Sunday school class, and uh, so glad that we can uh, welcome uh, Jim Sprague, who is our uh, uh, the CEO of the Pregnancy Resource Center here in Grand Rapids, and uh, the opportunity that we have this morning to learn a little bit more about the uh, constitutional amendment, uh, Proposition 3, that's being proposed in this coming uh, uh, November's ballot. And uh, we just want to understand all the implications of what's going on. Jim uh, has studied this, he understands these issues, and he can share this more with us. We want to welcome all those that are joining us online as well, and uh, glad you can be here. Uh, there's going to be an opportunity for questions. You see there's a mic over there, there's a mic over here. Um, we don't want you to just ask it from the audience. If you can just go to a mic or have me bring it to you, I'm happy to do that. Uh, but we just want to make sure that, it, that people can hear uh, the question as well as the answer. And if for some reason a question is asked and we don't have it on the mic, Jim will repeat it just so that we have that as well. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll get started. Our Heavenly Father, we come with thankful hearts that you have provided this time together. Uh, we are grateful that uh, you have given us um, your word to direct us. You've also given us uh, leaders in a variety of capacities to uh, help us understand uh, things that can be difficult to grasp just in our, our, our first uh, cursory examination. And thank you for all the work of the Pregnancy Resource Center. Thank you for uh, all the things that you've uh, done to uh, use Jim and his leadership and the whole team that he has there to uh, influence so many people in our community for good and for the honor of Christ and to uh, point others to you and to help uh, save lives. Lord, we ask uh, because this is what is at stake in this whole matter, uh, millions and millions of lives, even over the course of many years. And we just ask that your spirit would guide us into truth this morning and you'd help us to understand and that you would lead us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Stephen, thank you. Um, is my mic working? Yeah, I can hear uh, can you hear me in the back? Everybody good? Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for um, giving this time to me to talk about this concern that we have in our state. Um, the mission, the mission statement of the Pregnancy Resource Center is to live the truth that people matter and that they matter to God. And I have a confession to make. Um, I'm out of my lane on this. 
Okay, what do I mean by that? Uh, there is a service arm or a service lane, and there is a legislative lane to the pro-life work in this state and around the country and indeed around the world. Um, my lane has been for 21 or more years uh, in the service service uh, side of things at the Pregnancy Resource Center, living the truth that people matter to God. We, we meet uh, every day with women who are pregnant, don't want to be, uh, they suspect they're pregnant and don't want to be, and our desire is to give them everything that they need to make a life decision that day. Uh, so we are in that work on a regular basis. I often do not jump lanes and go out into uh, the legislative or the political side of things. And the reason I'm doing this today is this particular conversation is not political, it's biblical. You know, uh, standing for life, standing in the defense of the unborn, hear me clearly on this, this is not new. This is not new with Prop 3, Prop 2-2, I think that's uh, 2022, Prop 22-3 is how you'll see it on your ballot, but this isn't a new concern. It doesn't go back even uh, just as far as 1973 when the Supreme Court enacted the Roe and Doe decisions making abortion legal in our country at any time for any reason. It goes way back. You can go back to the book of Exodus and in chapter 1 you can see where the Hebrew midwives stood in the gap for life. There was an edict, the law of the land of that day said, when the babies are born, drown them, execute those babies. And the Hebrew midwife said, yeah, I don't think so, we're going to obey God. We're not going to obey the law of the land. Uh, you see it in the uh, prophets calling out the worship uh, of pagan gods, Baal, Moloch, who required baby sacrifice. And they stood against that. And you see it even in the, in the first church, in the, the book of Ephesus, where Paul wrote to the believers there. Um, the book of Ephesians, writing to the believers in Ephesus, he said to them, uh, you're adopted. And your, your relationship with God is one of adoption. You're not born into the family. Where does he draw that metaphor from? In the city of Ephesus, there were trash heaps. And if you, in that Roman culture... As the patriarch, as the man, uh, you had a baby that was born in your family. If you did not want him or her, you could simply turn your back on that baby, and it would be thrown into the trash heap. And Paul knew that the Christians were walking through the trash heap and picking out babies, taking them home and raising them and loving them and adopting them into their home. An interesting fact about adoption in that first church is it guaranteed your inheritance. Did you know if you were born into a family, dad could get mad at you and cut you off from the inheritance, which is what makes the story of the prodigal son so radical. For a born son to say to his dad, give me my inheritance now, everybody would have expected him to say, really? I don't think so. In fact, you're not going to get it at all. That's probably what should have happened to the prodigal son. But Jesus was saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he said, it's like a father who would say yes to that and then wait and welcome a son who is that radical. So no, in that culture, actually you could be cut off from the inheritance unless that father decided to adopt you. When that father adopted you, when that family brought you in and made you their own, 
your inheritance was secure. And that's why Paul is drawing on that adoption analogy, that metaphor to say this is what your relationship with God is like through Christ because you are adopted. So this is not a new idea that we need to stand in the gap for life. God's people have been doing this since the beginning of time, certainly since the beginning of people being called God's people. So it's not new, it's just our turn. We are responsible for this generation of souls. We are responsible for this generation of lives. And so I'm encouraged that this church would open this conversation up. I didn't know how many we would have, so I'm woefully underprepared in terms of the print material. I have 25 copies, okay, of everything. So I didn't know what we would, uh, what we would get here, but I'm greatly encouraged, number one, uh, that Pastor DeBoer would open this conversation up for us. Uh, because it is important that we have this conversation. Uh, make no mistake, Proposition 3 puts lives at stake. I'm not going to hand them out yet. Oh, you're going to go make copies. Well, that's a, No, don't do... Yeah, just those, just those two. Great, there you go. There's a copy machine in the building, apparently. Good deal. Um, but no, I'm grateful that uh, Redeemer, Pastor DeBoer, would open up this conversation. I'm grateful that we're having the conversation. And can I say that a lot of churches aren't? And I'm concerned about that. Um, I was really uh, impressed by the Catholic Church has said, no, we will instruct our parishioners to vote no on three. And in fact, uh, every Sunday leading up to uh, the election, they have a bulletin announcement that's been written by the bishop, and they're looking at that, and they are are talking about life uh, in a very bold way. Um, And it is important to understand from a legal perspective You get to do this. You're allowed to do this. You can talk about this uh, constitutional amendment. We can't put a yard sign for a particular candidate out there, but this issue, as I said, is a biblical issue first and foremost, and I think I made the case for that. This is not a political issue. Well, what is at stake? Let's, let's talk a little bit about Prop 3. We do have the microphones. This can be interactive. Uh, we're using uh, the live stream, and so I do invite you to come uh, to the microphone and ask your question when we get to the Q&A uh, part. Um, But I have a couple of goals here in my conversation with you this morning. Uh, Number one is I want you to understand that Prop 3 does not equal restoring Roe. Okay? That's what you're hearing talked about. You're hearing um, those who are in favor of Proposition 3, the writers of it, the proponents of it, are saying, well, in June, June 24th of this past summer, the U.S. Supreme Court repealed Roe, and so we need to reinstate Roe uh, at a state level. So what happened in that decision in June, uh, they ruled in favor of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health in Mississippi, and ruling in favor of Dobbs meant Mississippi, the court essentially said, Mississippi, you can go ahead and write your own restrictions uh, on abortion. You can write your own requirements, your own Uh, legislation on abortion in your state. And just as a side note, what they wrote in Mississippi didn't even uh, eliminate abortion in Mississippi. I don't know if you knew that. But what they agreed to was allow Mississippi to write a 15-week ban on abortion. Um, Gestational age at 15 weeks or more, you cannot have an abortion in the state of Mississippi. 
Um, but 95% of abortions happen in the first trimester. So 15 weeks is already into the second trimester. They by no stretch eliminated abortion in Mississippi. So that's just something interesting to, to keep in mind, that all this uh, commotion uh, around res- restricting abortion rights, even the state that got it all started <laughs> didn't eliminate abortion rights. So um, I want you to understand back in our state now, Proposition 3, which is on the ballot November 8th, uh, is not going to restore, it's not a restoration of Roe. That's what the other group is talking about. They're saying we just need to have a, a restoration of Roe in our state. Why do I say that? Because it goes well beyond that. There's uh, something I'm going to hand out to you in a minute, and it's all the language related to this constitutional amendment. And if it was only about restoring Roe, it would be a clear and concise, short statement, and it's not. Uh, it's full of very large loopholes, and one of the things we're going to do uh, here, too, in a minute is watch a short video by John Birch, who is an attorney who has looked at the language here in this proposal for our state constitution modification, and he has said there are truck-sized loopholes to walk through here. And this is a man who has argued in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, and he knows how laws get interpreted and how the other side will interpret language and how courts will rule. And he's looking at Prop 3 and going, it is way beyond restoring Roe versus Wade in our state. The other thing I hope to accomplish this morning is that you need to understand that defeating Prop 3 won't make abortion illegal in our state. This isn't a yes or no vote on abortion. Even if Prop 3 gets defeated, it won't make abortion illegal in Michigan. I'll get to that why in just a second. Well, what is Prop 3? It's a constitutional amendment. This is not a law that's being proposed. Typically what happens with something like this is it starts either on the House side and the Senate side, it starts on the House, goes to the Senate for approval, or it starts on the Senate side as a Senate bill and goes to the House to approval. Just the same way it happens in Washington, D.C., it happens in Lansing. Then it goes to the governor's desk. In D.C., of course, that would be the president's desk, but here in Lansing it would go to the governor's desk for signing into law. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about bypassing all of that, going straight to the people of Michigan, the voters in Michigan, and changing the constitutional language. And again, to do that with such confusing and large um, room for interpretation on the, on the left-leaning side, meaning how to interpret uh, abortion rights and well beyond, is... Um, just, it's very extreme. In fact, um, I was looking at a clip today. The, um, the public relations person for Right to Life of Michigan was interviewed on Fox News this morning, and she was talking about how this is going to be the pace setter for the entire country. If Prop 3 passes, it is actually um, by the Planned Parenthood and ACLU group that drafted this constitutional language, proposed language, they're using it, they're saying they intend to use this as a template for what they want to do across the country. So they're starting with Michigan. Um, It's loosely defined, 
as I said. It's radical, as I said. Here are some reasons why. Number one, um, it's, again, not just about restoring Roe because it would, in one fell swoop, eliminate dozens of laws that are already on the books that protect Michigan women and children. It would wipe them out. And you'll see that in the language. And I'm going to give this all to you, but I, I, I've taught enough classes to know if I hand out materials and put them in your laps, you stop looking at me and listening to me, you start reading. So you're going to get that later on the way out. But I have, um, I have for you the actual ballot uh, language that will be on uh, the ballot, 95 words, and it is the summary of the entire piece of language. And um, this, um, the uh, staffer at PRC who put this together, this has been, um, um, what did she call it, edited? Yeah, uh, spacing was inserted for readability. There was this whole confusion about how many of the words ran together, the spacing got lost in some document trans translation. And anyway, that's taken out so you can actually read it. Here's the summary. Here's the entire document. Um, and then I'll hand that out in a minute. But in that language, you'll see that in one fell swoop, it eliminates dozens and dozens of uh, laws that are already in the books. Why is that a concern? Number one is, uh, I think, parental consent for an abortion. Can we all agree that a 14-year-old ought to not be able to have permission to go to an abortion clinic and have an abortion without her parents even knowing about it? That would, that's a law in the state of Michigan today. Uh, if this passes on November 8th, starting November 9th, that's gone. Okay. Also, a 24-hour waiting period is gone. That's a law that's on our books today. And it's, it's a good law for any medical procedure. Have you ever been uh, in a situation where you sat down with your doctor and he or she was going to recommend some medical procedure and they didn't give you some information about it and ask you to think about it? All the risks and the complications and the side effects of this. Oh, and also the alternatives to the one that they're suggesting. Well, we think you ought to have this procedure, but some people do this and some people do this. Those kinds of conversations would be gone. So again, back to my 14 or 15-year-old girl who doesn't have to tell her parents, she doesn't even have to stop and think about it now. And can we all agree that maybe a 14 or 15-year-old girl can be a little bit impulsive? Might be why she's in the situation she is. I don't know. But now, in the new Michigan, this new constitution, she can go to the abortion clinic, walk in, and in the same day, not have to wait, not have to let her parents know, and they will do that procedure. Okay. Doesn't sound like the Michigan I want to live in. I'm not saying we should all move. If the, but um, the standards of care, um, the standards for operating a clinic, inspections. Again, can we agree that as much as we maybe don't want to see abortion happening, there ought to be some standards of cleanliness and care and inspection. Those would be removed. They wouldn't be removed. Uh, I've been using the example for a veterinarian clinic. Okay, So a vet has to hold to certain standards and an abortionist doesn't? That doesn't make sense to me. Any medical person, it says in this language, can perform this procedure now. It doesn't have to be by a, a, a doctor. Any, med any nurse, uh, a chiropractor, and even the veterinarian perhaps, could be trained. So you could take your dog 
or your cat to be cared for at the vet clinic, and oh, I think we'll, we'll do an abortion while we wait. That person could perform the same procedure. Doesn't make sense, does it? It's, it's very radical. Now, here's the other one that gets me is late-term and even partial birth abortion. Provisions are made in this new language for late-term. Right now in the state of Michigan, you cannot have an abortion after the age of viability, 24 weeks. That would be removed, so it opens the door for late-term and even partial birth abortion. I won't go into great detail of what that is, but you should know about it. It's actually delivering the baby to the point uh, of almost a complete delivery and then basically executing the child just before birth. Not in my state. Uh, Again, um, I think there are even pro-choice people, okay? Let me think about this for a minute. There are even pro-choice people who are looking at this and going, yeah, that's extreme. Um, Michigan says no. I didn't have that listed as one of the websites in the material to give you, but Michigan says no. Uh, on their uh, header, their webpage, their landing page, uh, there are quotes from, I think, three different pro-choice people who are saying just that. I'm pro-choice, but this is whack. That's over the top. These kinds of things being removed from from the law um, really do not make sense, even if you think... That's why I say it's not about restoring Roe. It's about opening the door to a whole new level of embrace of this kind of evil. Also, sterilization, birth control, these things, again, without parents' parents' knowledge and no... no, um, Uh, No parental consent, no waiting period. So all this conversation about gender confusion, uh, sex change operations, starting um, uh, young girls on birth control, none of that with parental consent or control. And it also, this language also opens the door for you to pay for it as a Michigan taxpayer. Okay? Abortion, sterilization, sex change operations. Again, all under the table as far as parents' knowledge goes, uh, but all funded by the Michigan taxpayer. All of that is the potential for this. Now, you won't see those specific things in the language, but I, <clears throat> that's why I want to play the John Birch video for you in a minute and have him explain to you as an attorney, this is how this is going to get interpreted. And he's seen it. He's been around. He, he knows this is how the other side is going to interpret this. This is why they wrote it the way that they did. Um, You know what? In fact, uh, this might be a good place for the John Birch video. Guys in the booth, you want to go ahead and run that a minute? It's just a three-minute video. Take this in a minute. I'm John Birch, Vice President of Appellate Advocacy with Alliance Defending Freedom, here to discuss the legal ramifications of Proposal 3, Michigan's Reproductive Freedom for All Constitutional Amendment, which would create a right to abortion in Michigan's constitution. We oppose Proposal 3 because we recognize that God makes every individual in his image and likeness. That means that every baby from the moment of conception is entitled to respect, dignity, and protection. But what many don't realize is that Proposal 3 goes much farther than simply creating a right to abortion. We'll briefly talk about seven of those legal ramifications right now. First, the proposal has no age limits. It simply gives the right to abortion to every individual. This means that a minor child can obtain an abortion without her parents' consent or even notice. 
contrary to the way that we treat every other medical procedure under Michigan law. Second, the proposal defines reproductive freedom very broadly to include sterilizations. This means that a minor child could also obtain a sterilization without parental consent or even notification. Third, the proposal suggests the legislature can pass pro-life laws after viability, but it has a truck-sized exception to that. It says that the legislature and its regulations will not apply if an abortion determines that the mental health of the mother requires it. This mental health exception is widely acknowledged to allow abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. And if there's any doubt about that, the proposal requires courts and prosecutors to defer to the professional judgment of the abortionist. Fourth, to the extent that the state acts, the proposal limits that action to protecting the health of the person seeking the abortion. In other words, the state cannot act to protect the innocent unborn baby's life. It could not even act to prohibit discrimination based on the baby's sex, race, or disability. Fifth, the state can only pass health regulations under this proposal if they are in accord with accepted clinical standards of practice. Well, who would set those standards? Abortionists, of course. That means if abortionists don't want to follow the rule that they have admitting privileges at a nearby hospital, they wouldn't have to do that or they could simply ignore health and safety standards that apply to any other surgical center in the state of Michigan. Sixth, the proposal states that the state may not take any adverse action against someone for aiding or assisting in an abortion. So if a high school counselor would take a high school student to get an abortion without their parents' knowledge, there could be no consequences for that action. In fact, if someone who had no medical training whatsoever participated or assisted in an abortion, there would be no consequences for them either. Seventh, the proposal states that the state shall not discriminate against this reproductive freedom right. As a practical matter, that means that Michigan's current prohibition on taxpayer funding of abortions would likely be set aside by a court. In sum, from top to bottom, proposal three is an extreme proposal, not just for Michigan, but anywhere in the United States and around the world. Everyone, no matter how they feel about abortion, should oppose Proposal 3. Everyone, no matter how they feel about abortion, should oppose Proposition 3. So, um, again, that's John Bursch, ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom. Really smart guy. And this is the lane that he runs in. Remember my confession at the beginning? I'm, I'm learning a lot from guys like him and others um, because this affects all of us, and it certainly affects those of us who are in the service lane, like the PRC. So uh, let me just mention this for a minute. Um, John Birch didn't talk about this, but this has come up a lot. Uh, in the new Michigan with a new constitution that embraces abortion rights and well beyond, as we've already talked about. Um, pregnancy centers, and there are 95 of us in the state of Michigan. PRC here in Grand Rapids is the largest of those 95. But pregnancy centers become the target. Have you seen that already? Thankfully, we've not... Um, We've not had any, well, I can't say we haven't had any vandalism. We had some beating up of our sign and a grate on the side of the building bashed in, uh, but we haven't had anything thrown through the windows or spray painted and that kind of stuff going on. Um, but many centers have around the country and several have around the state. Armed with Proposition 3, the current administration, if it's uh, re-elected, 
I believe is going to be emboldened to make good on their claim to either make our work as pregnancy centers in this state very, very difficult or actually shut us down. Um, one gentleman put it to me um, this way. He said, Jim, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that you could roll into work one day and find that your building has a government seal on the door because you don't refer for abortions or perform them. You are now a threat to their agenda. So our commitment to you, our commitment to this community is that we will not perform or refer or fund abortions ever. But we talk about abortion a lot because what we've discovered I'll put it to you this way. What we've discovered is that Chevy dealers sell Chevys. They don't want you buying a Ford. You think about that. The abortion industry has one product that they sell. They don't get, um, a patient at Planned Parenthood doesn't get the full presentation of all three options available. At the PRC they do. But again, we don't perform it or refer for it or fund it. But we talk about abortion and the risks and the side effects, and we promise to walk with that woman even if she chooses to have an abortion. We don't walk her to the abortion clinic. By the way, it's right next door to where we are, so we don't need to tell her where it is. She knows where it is. But we'll be there afterwards. The abortion industry won't. There's not a service garage at this particular Chevy dealer. There's no ongoing maintenance. They can't admit that it might hurt emotionally, spiritually, even physically, that there might be pain. But we walk with women like that all the time who are saying, when's this going to stop hurting? Right? So that's um, what's on the table for us as pregnancy centers, and that's why I'm jumping lanes and talking about this important and dangerous uh, proposal. Because imagine a Michigan, not only with Proposition 3, but with no pregnancy centers to live the truth that people matter to God. So um, I also told you, I think I've made the case that Prop 3 is not equal to restoring Roe, right? Can we agree? This is BS, okay. Uh, If if you agree with that, I, I hope you understand that this is way more than just restoring Roe. I also told you that I wanted to help us understand that defeating Prop 3 won't make abortion illegal in the state. Now, why is that? Here's the landscape in Michigan. Um, Abortion after Proposal 3 is defeated, okay? There's uh, a 1931 law that's on the books, a little bit of history on that 1931 law. It's actually an 1846 law that got... um, challenged and reaffirmed in 1931. I think that's why they refer to it as the 1931 law. But the 1846 law said, um, we will have no abortions in our state except to save the life of the mother. Okay? That was affirmed in 1931. It was tested and affirmed again by the Michigan Supreme Court in 1973. Does that date ring a bell? Does that year ring a bell? 1973. In January of that year is the year that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled on Roe and Doe, making abortion legal and overshadowing 
all the state laws, including the 1931 law in Michigan. So the Supreme Court's response to that was to say, we again affirm the 19, the 1846 law, now the 1931 law. Hope that's not too confusing with you. We again affirm it. It was five months after the January U.S. Supreme Court decision. Why did they do that? Because they always anticipated that Roe would go. And they knew that they wanted Michiganders to be uh, abortion-free, except to save the life of the mother. So we have this 1931 law, a little bit of background on that. So when uh, the Dobbs ruling um, repealed Roe and the decisions all went back to the state, Michigan had this great trigger law, 1931 law, banning abortion in our state, except that it didn't because it got blocked. There was an injunction. It's, it's gone, it was, it was, abortion was illegal for like three days this summer um, because um, things got opened up and then got closed down and, you know, back and forth. But here's where we stand today and have for the last several months is the 1931 law has been blocked with an injunction from an Oakland County judge who has said no prosecutors uh, in the state of Michigan can prosecute according to the 1931 law. Told them, no, you can't do it. Don't ask me. That's way out of my lane and out of my pay grade to understand how that all works. But apparently, it works. Uh, An Oakland County judge can say, no, you as prosecutors in the counties, you can't prosecute anyone in your county who has performed an abortion. You can't use the 1931 law to prosecute them. So essentially, they kept abortion legal in our state. Now, as if that weren't enough, Governor Whitmer also filed a lawsuit with the Michigan Supreme Court demanding that the Supreme Court in Michigan declare the 1931 law flat-out unconstitutional and strike it from the books. Now, they haven't ruled yet, And again, I'm not a politician. I don't pretend to understand how all of these things work. But my guess is, from uh, my listening to people who do run in this area, is I think they're waiting to see what happens in November. They're waiting to see what we all do with Proposition 3. So, even if Proposition 3 goes down, I believe that abortion is going to continue to be legal in our state. But we need Prop 3 to go down. Why? Because of those dozens and dozens of other laws. They would also remain. So even if the Supreme Court um, agrees with the governor's lawsuit, and and, and they are a left-leaning, they are an abortion-side-leaning court, uh, we saw that in even getting Prop 3 to the ballot that they're going to lean in that favor. So they will probably, if Prop 3 goes down, if Prop 3 uh, passes, they don't have to rule. They could throw it out. But if Prop 3 goes down, they're waiting to see, now we're going to strike down the 1931 law. And um, I believe that if they do that, if we are able to to, uh, defeat Prop 3 and the court does that, that's still uh, a better scenario for Michigan because of all these other laws that we mentioned, John Birch mentioned, and you're in a minute going to have in your own hot little hands, okay? There's um, 30-some of them here in, in a bullet page 
that you can see these are the laws that would go. So as you read them, think, oh, that would be gone. Oh, that would be gone. But then you can read them again and say, oh, that's going to stay. Oh, we get to keep that good law, like 24-hour waiting period, like parental consent. We get to keep that law if Prop 3 goes down. All right, so um, let me get a couple volunteers to hand out what now appears to be plenty of handouts. Uh, you want to be my volunteer? There you go. Thank you. <clears throat> and at this point, what questions have come to mind? What I'm... Uh, what we're handing out to you now, uh, as I mentioned, the, it's a three-page document stapled together. On the front page, you're going to get the 95 words that will actually be on the ballot. If you're doing an absentee ballot and it's at home, you'll see that language in that left column, that left third uh, of the page. The other two-thirds is the uh, full language. That would have been the language that was on the, um, sign, uh, the petition drive that went around, they were very aggressive. Over 725,000 signatures they gathered in the state of Michigan. Uh, I think it's the most they've ever got, uh, most anyone's ever gathered for uh, that sort of thing, a petition drive. So it was, it was presented as, hey, Roe is gone, we need to restore Roe. Uh, let me tell you a story about, um, this is anecdotal, of course, but right here uh, at Knapp Corner, I know of um, a mother and her son. They came over to our house. They had just been shopping at Knapp Corner because we live up Beltline and Three Mile area. And they said, this was weird, but here's what happened. This was this summer. They were um, shopping in two different stores. He's like 14 or I think he's 15, taking his driver's training right now. So he's 15. He's in the Old Navy store. She's in the Alta store. Does that make sense? They don't want to shop together. So he comes out of Old Navy and um, a gentleman approaches him with a clipboard to sign this petition. And he says, do you, want, do you want to keep abortion legal in Michigan? And he says, well, you know, I'm, you know, don't you have to be 18 and a registered voter? Great response from a 15-year-old, right? I thought that was pretty smart of him. Don't, don't I have to be 18? And here's what the, the canvasser said. No, just write your dad's name down. Let's go ahead and put your dad's name down. Do you know his birthday? Just sign your dad's name. He said, yeah, I'm not good with that. He started walking. The canvasser followed him out into the parking lot. He pulls out his phone. He's like, Mom. And then she came out of Ulta, and they connected. And when he turned around, the guy was gone. But I'm not saying that's how all 725,000 signatures were collected. But I'm just saying there, there was some impropriety going on. But anyway, they got it. They got it on the, on, the propos- on the ballot. The proposal's on the ballot. It's going to look like that left column. And the entire language that was on that, um, that uh, signature page is what's on the right. Okay? So just to describe what you're looking at. If you turn that over, here is uh, the response from Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. Their explanation of why Prop 3 uh, is necessary. And you'll read that, and in some cases you'll go, oh, okay, that sounds pretty innocuous. But then read the statement from the Michigan, um, the, the, um, 
support women and children, citizens to support Michigan women and children. And then um, it's kind of hard to click here uh, <laughs> on, a, on a piece of paper. I'm doing that now with photos. I'm like, pieces of paper, I'm trying to, anyway. Um, but you can type in these um, URLs and um, learn more. So that's the, um, the ballot proposal committee's response. And then that second page, which is stapled there, are many of the Michigan laws that would be uh, struck down if Prop 3 passes. All right? And if you need more convincing from... Um, if you need more convincing about how some of this language will get interpreted, the second document will help. This, again, is put together by the Citizens to Support Women, uh, Michigan Women and Children, and people like John Birch looking at it and saying, oh yeah, this is how that will get interpreted. So that's what this second document is for you. And again, where are my helpers? Thank you. Just as you got comfortable, sorry. All right, well... We've, uh, do we go till noon o'clock or when do we go? Okay, yeah, Q&A right now, let's, let's do that. I just got a quick question. Um, to me, it seems like we got caught flat-footed. If, if, if the Dobbs case got overturned in June, this was already in place, got signed 700,000 plus signatures. In the past, I felt that we were pretty, uh, particularly Right to Life was really aggressive and prepared. Did we get caught? Uh, I mean, was this... How did this happen that they could get 700-plus thousand signatures for a constitutional amendment that quick? And then secondly, where are we standing right now in the polling? How does it look? Okay. Um, yeah, there is uh, – they were very aggressive. This uh, proposal, this language was drafted, I believe, in January of, of, of uh, this year. So they knew what they were doing, and they had it uh, pretty well mapped out. Um, there is a concern that we got caught flat-footed. Uh, was anybody following what happened in, uh, was it Kansas? That um, they, they, uh, they struck down a, a, a positive thing that would have happened, restricted abortion in their, in their state. Um, so um, the, I, I, I am part of the Citizens to Support Michigan Women and Children Coalition, and I've been to several meetings with those folks. We, we gather in Lansing and, and we talk about these things. I believe that they are on pace to get this turned around. I'm optimistic. Um, and the last meeting I was at, the polling was trending up. More and more people are understanding what's at risk, and more and more people are deciding and, and um, saying in the response that they're going to vote no on Proposal 3. So that's very encouraging. And um, so I, I, I think we're going to do okay. The, the data that they gave me said that um, six out of ten registered voters in Michigan are pro-life. Six out of ten. But here's the problem. Many pro-lifers don't come out for midterm elections. They'll come out for the presidential election but the midterms, and that's why this campaign has been important to, to talk with folks and go, you can't sit this one out, okay? Because I'll tell you, that's what I believe happened in 2018. 
Did you wake up the day after the election and go, how did we legalize pot? What? How did that happen? I think it's because we were asleep at the wheel. To your point. We can't be on this one. And we have to get out and vote. And you have to tell everybody that, uh, uh, that you know the dangers and what's at risk here. And even if they're pro-choice, sit down and have, can we have a civil discourse around this? And just go, okay, I understand you're pro-choice. I'm not here to change your mind on that. But did you know what this is about? I have a family member who's a staunch, he was a staunch D, and that's all he's ever going to do. And, and then at the same time, he'll say, boy, that abortion thing, I, I, I just don't understand how anybody could do that. And I would say, well, do you understand what's at risk with Prop 3? What's at, what's at risk with Prop 3? Well, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. I saw him the other day. I don't know what he's doing at the top of the ticket, but I know on Prop 3 he's going to vote no. And I was really encouraged by that. So we got to have those conversations. Another question? Yes. What's, what's the best way we can kind of get people to know about this and to actually look at good sources? And also, what's the best way we can support the Pregnancy Resource Center? Oh, thank you. Um, well, um, the sources that I would recommend are at the bottom of the, the um, back side, the second page, page two. So go there and click around. There are resources that you can print out. There are videos that you can upload to your social media pages, um, that sort of thing. And so I appreciate the question, how to support um, PRC. Um, and I'm going to say this, the uh, righttolife.org, which is that last link, RTL, righttolife.org. Right now, um, this, this was new to me, right now uh, the campaign to have billboards, print, and the very, very costly TV ads, um, they have to write a check every Friday for at least $1.5 million dollars and send it on because you can't uh, run an ad and then you know get billed for it. You have to pay up front because once it's gone out over the airwaves, they don't have any leverage to get you to pay. I think is why it works that way. So uh, if you want us to run your ad, you got to pay me up front. So they have to they have to deposit uh, into that account over 1.5 million dollars every Friday. And I think as the, you know, one of the chief fundraisers at PRC, I think, wow, that's a big number. <laughs> Annually, that's a big number. But they have to do that weekly. Um, so I would encourage you to consider going to rtl.org and prayerfully consider sending them a gift. Now, it's not tax deductible. Just be up front. It's, you're not going to write that one off. But um, my wife and I have made gifts to RTL that um, we've never done before. We're all in on this. So I would encourage that. Now, that said, Pregnancy Resource Center uh, is also a nonprofit in need of financial support. Um, so you, um, you really need to, to think about what God would have you do. Because when, when, uh, when the dust settles here, like I say, if, if Prop 3 goes down, uh, we still have the laws, PRC is going to con- continue to meet with women. If Prop 3 passes, God forbid... But if Prop 3 passes, P- 
PRCs are going to continue to operate? I hope. Right? So um, our website is prc4life.org. F-O-R, prc4life.org. And if you would like, I did bring both my business card and our brand new newsletter. You would be the first group to receive this newsletter because it just came from the printer last week. And I'm going to put it uh, right here and in the back of the room and on the way out. You can grab one if you want one. You got them in your mailbox? Wow. My team is amazing. Just not communicating with me. <laughs> That's awesome. Another question? I just mentioned one other uh, idea is, you know, if you found this presentation helpful, uh, which I certainly have, um, you know, you can just go to our, our YouTube um, page uh, and just, you know, you just push that little share button. Uh, you can share it with whoever you want to share it with. Um, we have 23 days uh, to um, Duke's point and, and to what Jim has said. We have 23 days, and you have a lot of people that you know. Um, you know, the opportunity to encourage people, as, as he mentioned, you know, in a midterm election, it's not as common. You know, encouraging all the people that you know. Your network is, is the most important thing that we have in this particular situation. Obviously, before any of the things we've said, prayer is the most important thing because God can handle hearts, right? He handles every aspect of any one of these things. Yeah. So certainly we start with prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, but in addition to that, some of these other ideas of, of sharing information, getting people educated, but then encouraging people. Maybe you don't normally go out in midterm elections. You know, I would encourage you to do that. The more that we make that known to people and encourage people to take action, this is not going away. If, if you see this level of aggression now, do you think it's going to get less in the future? Like it just, it's so obvious that it's only ramping up um, and so we're, we're concerned about that, but I, I really appreciate that. Other, other questions? Hey, Jonathan, just, just set this in the back there in case people didn't get one in their mailbox. Thanks. To change what was your question? the uh, Constitution in Michigan, is it a, is it a simple 51-49 vote? Or oh, yes, thank you. Certain... Um, and, and, boy, thanks for getting me back on track. Sometimes I... Get off on a rabbit trail. Um, uh, six out of ten voters in Michigan, uh, registered voters, are pro-life. They don't typically come out for a midterm. Um, but we want to get them to come out because we only need to get to 51. We need 51% to vote no. And that's, that's what we're shooting for. And it's, and it's trending in a good direction, but um, we're counting on all of you. Um, I just want to say that... Uh, it's good to see people, younger people, in this building, in this meeting. I'm in my late 30s, and I confess, up to college, I was kind of oblivious to the whole what's going on locally and that sort of thing. And mm. after I graduated, it really struck me that, and I know the uh, senior saints in this room can testify to this, but I just want to encourage the younger people in this room that it is, it does start at the local level. And it might not affect us now, hmm. but what people vote for in a few weeks is going to affect us later. Yeah. And if you want to help and your generation, it starts at the local level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you don't 
If you don't vote for your local elections, Lynn, this might sound a little harsh, but you really don't have a right per se to knock on what's going on locally and nationally from here on out because yeah, we, we have to do our part. Yeah. So I just want to encourage the younger people in this room that this might be over your heads, but it won't be later yeah. on. Yeah, great, great. You know, and that's, that's kind of the point I was making about 2018. When I went to, uh, when I went to vote at my uh, voting location, there were a lot of young people there. Okay? And that's how pot got legalized. And many of them were like, okay, so how do I do this? Like, what? You know? <laughs> and I said, we're in trouble. You know? This is... Uh, but we have to have the opposite effect here. We have to have young people come out in force. And the senior saints. I love that term. The senior saints, but the young people as well, um, standing for life. We have a question in the back. Yes, sir. My problem is with the Christians that say they're for abortion. We just came back from a cruise, and we were with a couple that were a pastor and his wife, and abortion came up. Oh, abortion, the woman's got the right to choose. And social justice, we've got family. There's social justice. Abortion is not a problem for them. How do we deal with it? You're talking six out of ten, but you've got Christians and denominations that are, are for abortion. Yeah, it breaks my heart. Um, do you want to add to that? Go right ahead. I have a question. Yeah. Um, on the list of laws that would be overturned, um, there was a statutory rape laws. How would those be affected? Yeah, um, because... Um, so let's say in the new Michigan, I'm a trafficker, and I have uh, a young girl in my employ. Okay, she gets pregnant um, by, um, you know, by somebody of age. We, there's no prosecution there. So, uh, and in any situation where, because we can't interfere, I think what it boils down to is the language of an individual. Okay, so we're not talking about girls or women, we're talking about an individual, and there's no age limit. So um, if there's no age limit to get birth control or sterilization or a sex change operation, um, we can't impinge uh, or impede the rights of someone to express themselves sexually. And so if it happened to be with a minor, oh well. Because what's coming up, and you've heard these arguments too, and this kind of goes to the gentleman uh, in the back, and I can't get my mind around this, either is, is those who um, are starting to talk about, well, I'm minor attracted, okay? Used to be same-sex attracted, and now we're getting, you know, now we're, we're, you know, that's in the fabric of conversation in our culture. Um, now we're starting to hear um, minor attracted. So this opens the door for that. Hey, the process, you know, the defense of that is, you know, I'm, I'm minor attracted. So there's no prosecution of that. So, it's a slippery slope. All right. Is this on? Oh, good. Yes, sir. <laughs> if we're worried that Proposition 3 will pass, has there been any consideration to what it will take to overturn a constitutional amendment? Yeah, that's a big, that's a big thing. Um, you think about the effort that they went through to do what, what they're, they finally got on the ballot. You, you'd have to do that again. Yep, that's a long road. 
That could happen. But um, I don't think in our state we want to get into the rhythm of messing with our Constitution all the time. Right? And I think there's going to be uh, an aversion to that. It's like, didn't we just change the Constitution? Why are we, you know, that's what laws are for. Right? The laws underneath the Constitution. This specific language to enshrine abortion rights in a Constitution, that's not where that conversation needs to land. It's constitutional um, things are should be higher than that, and I think that's kind of the undercurrent uh, of this whole thing too. But yes, I've thought about that too. Well, let's just go back in and change the constitution again. But I think um, it may be way more difficult than we think, just because there's an aversion to doing it over and over and over. So I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. What good are laws? If you can just change them, was the question. And my answer was, yeah, I know. (laughs) Wasn't that a brilliant answer? But it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Um, But that's why they always say elections have consequences. And if I can summarize your uh, comments in the back to help young people understand, elections have consequences and, and, you know, vote those values. To your point, sir, in the back, you know, as a Christian, as a a Bible-believing Christian, voting those values uh, really, really matters. And sometimes, you've heard the saying, right? Sometimes all evil needs to prosper is what? That good people do nothing. nothing. We're going to wrap it up? One last question. Okay. In my zeal to make sure everybody got one, I did not get one of those last things. Could is it possible to what last thing? to maybe put them on our on our web page or something? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I mean, just for people that maybe weren't here. If I get a digital copy of it, then I can just link it on the YouTube thing and just put it in the, in the notes. Yeah, that would be good. I think. That's already been done. See, we're quick around here. Jim, thank you so much for coming. Can we uh, give thanks to our wonderful guest for uh, his his time and and help? And uh, I think we need a lot of prayer, so let's uh, end end our time in prayer. Mm -hmm. Most gracious Heavenly Father, uh, you you obviously are sovereign over all things, and and we are grieved at the depravity of our world, as, as we've seen in so many different examples throughout history. But we know that this, as has already been mentioned, you you have us here for such a time as this, that we hear these things and that our our conscience uh, is burdened because these things are wrong according to your word. And we recognize uh, the the great devastation that can come, the the way that people are going to be harmed and and killed, and uh, the way that uh, these things are being enshrined for the the longest possible way in our state and uh, potentially uh, uh, spreading out throughout the rest of our country with Michigan leading the way. And we just pray that we would lead the way to say no uh, to evil, uh, that we would be ones that are are willing to go beyond uh, just uh, offering one prayer, offering one vote, and that we would be willing uh, to be uh, led by you to influence however you would call us to, uh, to see uh, those more uh, understand the importance of taking a stand here as your people and uh, as those who would honor you. We ask that you would help us uh, in this uh, whole uh, process, that you would bless Jim, the whole uh, ministry of PRC, whatever direction this goes, uh, that you would protect that ministry, and that you would help them as they continue to help so many uh, women's and, and 
so many women and babies and men in this uh, whole uh, issue that they deal with um, of, of unplanned pregnancy and how you can work through those circumstances to redeem them and to be drawn closer to Christ. We pray that you would do your great redeeming work for this entire issue. So it would all be for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Couple Proverbs. Um, you can jot these down and look at them later if you'd like. But Proverbs 24, verse 11 says this Rescue those being led away to death, hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, But we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? And then the last proverb I would leave you with is one that I go to every election cycle. Proverbs 21.1 says, He holds the hearts of kings in his hand and directs them like he does a river to where he wants them to go. So I appreciate your prayer, Jonathan, and God is sovereign over this. But uh, one saying we use a lot at PRC is, we're going to trust God, but we're going to row away from rocks. (laughs) (laughs) So let's do both, right? God bless you. Repeat what? Okay, the the last uh, proverb, the first one was uh, Proverb 24, 11 and 12, and then I sort of paraphrased Proverb 21, 1. Thanks, you guys.